Hello everyone, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. This month, Krithika interviewed the President of Georgia, Salome Zorbishvili. They discussed her time at the Women for Peace Summit and her advice to our listeners. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, thank you for joining with us on Women in Foreign Policy's podcast today. I am Kritika Narayanan, Women in Foreign Policy's podcast editor. And in today's episode, I will be talking with the President of Georgia, Salome Zorbishvili. She is currently serving as the 5th President of Georgia and she is in office since December 2018. She is the first woman to be elected as Georgia's President a position she will occupy for a term of six years. Thank you for joining with us today, Madam. Thank you. I would like to start by asking you about your participation in the special event called Women for Peace with the female ambassadors to the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the OSCE. Can you briefly tell us about the event, Madam? Uh, well, uh, first of all, that was in the margins of my visit here uh, in Austria, the official visit, and visiting, uh, of course, the OECE, which is an important actor in Georgia uh, on many different issues, but also on the issue of, uh, of conflict and taking part in the Geneva discussions, uh, the co-chair to the Geneva discussions, uh, which are the main a format, a forum in which uh, the uh, issue of the occupied territories of Georgia is discussed. I was meeting with the Secretary General of the OSCE, Helga Schmidt, uh, and we decided to uh, present uh, at this occasion on the margins in the OSCE uh, with the women ambassadors, photo uh, exhibition of uh, Berta von Stutner, which was the first uh, female uh, Nobel Prize Peace Nobel Prize, uh, and she's uh, a symbolic figure, and we've had just a, a stamp uh, created at this occasion. She's a symbolic figure because she lived uh, in Georgia for um, nine years, uh, and she was there uh, very much working on these peace issues. Uh, that's where she started seeking, thinking about those issues, and she was there a very prominent uh, actor and uh, defender uh, of uh, these peace uh, issues. And she's probably, as a woman, uh, one of the uh, first actors in, in this field, uh, in which today we are more numerous, uh, but not enough yet. And so I was very glad to have the occasion to, to see the women ambassadors in the OSCE participate to this uh, event. Uh, and especially that uh, at the same time, I'm uh, presenting a project uh, which is uh, to have a conference in uh, Tbilisi uh, co-organized with the OSCE and the OSCE presidency, uh, which next year will be Poland, uh, and to have a conference of women leaders uh, and uh, conflict, which I hope uh, can take place sometime next year, maybe in spring. It all will depend, of course, of the, on the current pandemic situation. Why do you think women in conflict resolution is important? Well, I could say because uh, women uh, and children are the first victims of conflict. So they have a dif- uh, direct stake uh, into the conflict. But that's not the only reason. Uh, I think that women also have a different perspective 
uh, on how to solve the conflict, uh, maybe a different uh, attitude towards dialogue, uh, and uh, uh, how one uh, can the uh, the discussions and the dialogue be prone to uh, solve some of the conflicts that uh, are everlasting. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, women have a recipe and uh, that will uh, work each time, but I think that these different perspectives, together with what has already been uh, tempted by traditional, I would say, diplomacy, uh, can add to, to what we need because we see that the, the conflicts are perpetuating themselves. And of course, yeah, uh, the situation today uh, in Afghanistan, what we are saying, and the, the post-conflict situation uh, in which women are directly uh, the uh, victims uh, of the situation is something that uh, gives us even more reason to uh, uh, to try to federate the uh, the efforts and uh, and give the women their voice in these uh, situations. No single country in the world has achieved gender equality. What are the barriers which exist that are deterring countries from achieving gender equality and what efforts should be done to enable more countries to be gender equal within the next decade? Well, of course, I mean, I'm the first uh, female president uh, in Georgia in a country that had the tradition, uh, historical tradition of having women leaders. Uh, so it's not something new, but it's new in the recent uh, ages. We're also the country uh, which, which uh, 100 years ago, uh, at the time of the first uh, uh, democratic republic, uh, we gave the right of vote to, to women uh, in 1918 uh, and had the first female uh, elected into the uh, assembly. Uh, so we have been uh, quite progressive uh, in that sense, and I think that we have to continue. Uh, so I'm very attentive to the number of women in, we just had local elections, and I think we have to do more for women's participation uh, in the politics itself, in local politics, as well as in national politics. It will be linked to uh, the number of women in uh, decisive positions where they can take uh, decisions, whether it's in the parliaments where they can take legal decisions uh, or in uh, political leadership uh, places. Because if I take the, the example of uh, Georgia, I think that uh, we have quite a good situation in terms of women uh, being very active in the economy. Uh, and even in the regional economy and taking a number of initiatives. And probably I would say that they are more entrepreneurial than uh, men at this stage. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we have reached uh, gender equality because it takes uh, many changes uh, and legal changes also uh, to achieve that, even if we're talking about salaries, uh, all these distortions that exist. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, needs a lot of continuous efforts. It's not enough, uh, for instance, we have been uh, put in quotas in the, in the parliament. Uh, and so in the electoral uh, lists, uh, there has to be one woman at every fourth place, but that's not sufficient uh, to radically uh, change the uh, rapport between uh, genders. 
So it's a, it's a long term. It won't happen in one day, but it needs uh, uh, continuous efforts. Countries that show and project that uh, women uh, are getting in higher positions. I think that's what uh, really affect. And uh, for me, the most important uh, is when I go uh, in the public and I see young uh, girls and they look at me and I ask whether they would like to be president of their country one day. And they say, yes, that's where the way things change. August 2018 marks the 10-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of the territories in Georgia. A decade on, a significant portion of Georgian territory remains under Russian occupation. You have done significant work in fighting back against this. Would you say that this is an achievement that you are most proud of? Uh Difficult to say. I think that I don't have yet the achievements that I would like to be proud of. Uh, One was in the past the fact that I managed uh, uh, to negotiate with uh, Russia at the time the withdrawal of Russian military bases from the Georgian territory. Um, But uh, unfortunately, since then, uh, we've had the uh, occupation of two of the Georgian territories, which is even worse than having a military bases on the on the territories. So I think that what I would be uh, the most proud of is to find a solution for these uh, two occupied territories before the end of my mandate. But maybe it's wishful thinking. We'll see. What has been your biggest challenge so far and how did you overcome it? A biggest challenge, uh, and it's still the biggest challenge uh, for me, uh, and not only for me, I think that it's becoming a world challenge, uh, it's polarization in the uh, Georgian politics, uh, because that's something that is uh, distorting many things, uh, making uh, the progress uh, in individual issues much more difficult, uh, creating uh, tension and instability for no serious reason, I would say. Uh, Polarization is something that becomes an end in itself. Uh, And I think that overcoming polarization is probably for uh, the leaders today, whether they're women or men, uh, one of the biggest issues, and we are no exception. If you could give three pieces of advice for young women who are aspiring to hold leadership positions, what would they be? Never give up. I don't have three. That's the one. (laughs) That's the one. Never give up. That's a great piece of advice, madam. Thank you so much for joining with us today on Women in Foreign Policy's podcast. I'm sure a lot of young women who are listening to this episode right now are truly inspired by your words. Thank you so much, madam. Thank you so much for listening to Women in Foreign Policy's podcast. This is Kritika Narayanan signing off. Thanks for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review this podcast on whichever app you use. This helps other people to find us and it's one of the most helpful things you can do. While you're at it, please do subscribe to the Women in Foreign Policy newsletter, which is available on our website. If you have any thoughts, feedback or there's someone you'd like us to interview, please do let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at Women in FP. We're an all volunteer team, so any support you give us goes even further than you think. We love the work we do and we couldn't do it without listeners like you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.